Pastor Dale said, Pastor, I, I, I know what the title of the sermon is, but where will you take your text? I said, Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 12. I want to I do a little contrasting and comparison today. Is that okay? I believe the writer was attempting to reveal to us that contrasting lives lead to contrasting destinies. And if we read the writer, Proverbs, we're going to find that Solomon has a lot to say in this regard. I know that you just sat down, but if you would do me the honor of standing to acknowledge the Word of God together. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you for being reverent to the Word of God. One verse, very short verse, in your presence. Proverbs 10 and verse number 12. And the Bible states, hatred stirs up strife. One translation said conflict. But love covers all sins. Love covers all sins. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. You have blessed us to enjoy your presence together. Now we ask your anointing to rest upon your word as it is delivered before this great group of people. May today, O oh God of heaven, it take root in our heart and produce that fruit that pleases you. Lord, we ask this in the strong name above every name, the name of Jesus. His church shouted amen. And amen, you might be seated in the Lord's presence. I want to use for a thought today in your hearing. Now that's what I call love. That's what I call love. We heard the word hatred. It was the very first word in our text this morning. Along with the word hate, that's a very strong, that's a very strong word. A lot of people might even say it's a little, it's a, it's a little blunt, isn't it? It's a little abrasive. The word hate just doesn't sit too well. It rubs us wrong. Well, let me tell you what hate is. Hate's a poison. That's what hate is. And it can produce nothing good. It only produces bitterness. And in time, bitterness eats away at our hearts and our minds. And it destroys us internally. We can't see it on the outside. We wear this facade or mask and we appear to the world that everything's okay. But in reality, when bitterness takes root in our heart, it is a poison that eats away at us from the inside. But love, thank God, is the complete opposite. Hallelujah. Love permeates from within our being. It infuses us. Glory to God. And people will know like they did with the disciples that, that we've been with God. Because we have love one for another. Nelson Mandela, who was the first black president of South Africa from the years of 1994 through 1999. You know that he was only elected after he was imprisoned as a revolutionary of the apartheid. He was only elected president after he was imprisoned. And Nelson Mandela said this, and I quote, he's speaking about people. I quote, and if they can learn to hate, they can be taught to love. Isn't that very profound? He lived to be the ripe age of 95. 
before leaving this world. But he understood something real clearly, and that's hatred destroys our own personal witness as Christians. Hatred removes us from not only fellowship with God, but hatred removes us from fellowship with others. This is true. It amazes me, though, the number of Christians who feel that they are justified to hate. Stick with me now. We're going somewhere. It amazes me the number of people who call themselves children of God. Who feel that because of injustices performed against them, that they are justified to hate. They say things to you like, preacher, the Bible says that God hates. He does. God does hate. But everything God hates, Brother Jody, has a direct connection to evil, wickedness, or sin. God doesn't hate people. And it doesn't give us a reason to hate people. It doesn't matter what they've done to us. It doesn't make it justifiable for us to hate other humans. Now I just look back over several years of my life here on the planet and I can remember several known serial killers. Several known serial killers that that were, were right here in America in my lifetime. Now, one might say, Brother Harold, in their heart, well, certainly the victims of those murdered individuals are justified in the hatred of the person who murdered them. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Am I right? That's not what the Bible teaches. Anybody remember Jeffrey Dahmer? Jeffrey Dahmer was from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Doing a little research tells us that he, he killed his first person at 18 years of age. 18 years old, he started murdering young people. Most of them, young men of color. It's pretty amazing to me that this guy had a vat of acid. And this is how he disposed of bodies in his Milwaukee, Wisconsin home. Well, we know that he was ultimately convicted. And we know that he died while in prison. He was killed while in prison. Serial killer. How about Ted Bundy? Anybody remember Ted Bundy? This guy confessed to killing at least 30 women from 1973 to 1978. Most of them were college-aged women in the states of California, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Colorado, Utah, and eventually Florida. He was killed via the electric chair in 1989. Here's a not-so-famous name that many of you won't notice. Pedro Lopez. Pedro Lopez is linked to over 300 murders in Colombia, Ecuador, and Peru. You know what he got? Less than 20 years in prison. Less than 20 years in prison. Well, why was he released? Good behavior. Killed over 300 people, but was released on good behavior. Now, this is the shocker. You thought that was a shocker. This is the shocker. Nobody knows where he is today. So one of the most notorious serial killers in the history of the world is currently possibly on the loose, no one knowing 
his whereabouts. He is known as the monster of the Andes. 300 murders. We might say, I, I, would, I would certainly believe that the victims of those persons would have a justifiable reason to hate this guy, but it's not what the Bible says. I remember clearly John Wayne Gacy. This person had, a, had an outstanding personality. He would even dress up as a clown at birthday parties. But one thing he wasn't was a clown. There was nothing funny about the people that he murdered and buried in a four-foot crawl space under his home. John Wayne Gacy. Most people thought he was just an average construction worker. But they found the remains of over 30 bodies in a four-foot crawl space. Is that amazing? Then in London, England, Dr. Harold Shipman, also known as Dr. Death, killed close to 250 people, mostly elderly women, between 1972 and 1998. He was convicted in the year of 2000 before ultimately in 2004, he took his own life in prison. Dr. Death. You know how he was caught? He somehow masterminded a scheme that one of his victims make him the beneficiary of their estate. Somebody said this looks suspicious, merits further investigation. Then it unveiled the trail of the hundreds of murders this guy committed. But I want to ask you a question. Is it the person that we as believers should hate? Or is it the evil? Is it the person? Or is it the evil? Well, here's what the Bible teaches us. The Bible, the word of God, teaches us to hate evil. But not the evildoer. Hate the evil. Who do we know is the mastermind behind every evil act in the world? Satan. So we're then to possess this hatred for the enemy. Hatred means extreme dislike. It means to despise where love means it's based on intense feelings. Love, it means that it's an act of the will. It means that it involves a sacrifice. That's what love is. But I believe the word of the Lord, according to the scripture, that there are both positive and negative aspects or features to hatred. Isn't it pretty common for us to become angered when the name of God is maligned? When we hear people use God's name in profanity, don't that just rouse you, Dandra? Or am I the only one? I tell folks that use it in my presence, I say, I've had about enough of that. And on my job, I, I can hear them singing songs with it when I just have to say, listen, there's no need for that kind of language in our communication. So I've heard the last of it. Don't use it in my presence. As a matter of fact, you can be excused from my presence if you're going to talk like that in front of me. I believe the world would be a better place if we would check those persons 
who malign the name of our God, who profane the name of the Lord, who use the name of God in a critical manner. I believe that we can check those individuals, don't you? But I believe the Bible is very clear when it tells us that all that God hates is a direct connection with evil, wickedness, and sin. Let's look at Psalm 97 and verse 10. Let's look at Psalm 97 verse 10. He says, you who love the Lord hate evil. Look at that exclamation. You see that exclamation mark behind that? Well, what is that telling us? That's telling us as believers, you and I, as followers of God and Jesus Christ, we are to absolutely hate evil and that evil in any form. But never does the Bible specifically say that we are to hate the person committing those things. And we are to hate what they are doing, but not who they are. Amen? It's pretty common for us to come become angry when we hear God's name used wrong. If it isn't, something's wrong with us. If we'll sit idly by and listen to people talk about God like that, then we need to check ourselves. People need to know where we stand. The closer that we grow in our walk with the Lord, amen, this does what? The more conscious of sin we become. The more conscious we become. Understanding God's attributes that are his character and his nature, they help us do what? They help us to conform to his image and, and to his likeness. Amen. Which in turn assists us in hating those things that are contrary to God's word. When we position ourselves to hate those things that God hates, what is that? That's evidence that we're living right. Many people won't stand up and be different. Many people would rather blend in with a crowd because all those voices are clamoring to be heard. They're going to drown out your voice. But it takes a man or woman of God of character who will stand up and say today, wrong is wrong and right is right. Can I get a witness, somebody? So hate evil but love the evildoer. Now let me remind us this is what Jesus did. Even before we made things right with him, he died for us. That's what Paul said in Romans 5 and 8. Amen. So when we position ourselves to hate the things that God hates, that's proof in the pudding that we are living in right standing with God. Not that we have an opinion on everything. Our opinion doesn't matter. What says the word of God? What says God's word? That's the basis for which we need to build our faith. So hate evil, not the evildoer. I know that everybody remembers Martin Luther King Jr. He was a great civil rights activist from 1955 to 1968 when he was assassinated. He was a Baptist preacher. And Martin said this, let no man pull you so low as to hate him. That coming from somebody who was killed because he stood for equal rights. Now how much should that resonate in our spirit, Brother Mike, if a man, glory to God, who was, who, who was constantly on the lookout for his life could make a statement that profound? How, how much more should that compel us to serve God in truth and righteousness? Hate evil, not the evildoer. So as I did a little research and I comprised this list of all these serial killers, I thought a good way to combat that 
would be to look at some stories where people could forgive other people for heinous crimes that they committed. And I found a couple that I want to share in your presence today. See that little boy on the left? He was three years old when he got killed in a drive-by shooting. Three years old. And his mother, Charlotta Evans, she said this, I'm going to love and forgive 19-year-old Raymond Johnson who shot my three-year-old son. And so the story went on to say that she reached out to him and their bond has become so strong that Raymond has asked her if she would adopt him as her own son. The 19-year-old boy that killed her 3-year-old has asked this mother if she would adopt him as her own son. Who can do that but God? Can I get an amen in this congregation? Who can do that except but God? I saw a telephone conversation between them. And Brother Harold, when, when he answered the phone, she called him son. Now, nobody can love that way but God. So I thought, Lord, this is a clear picture. This is proof. This is evidence that you can turn a situation around, God, if this woman in her heart through the love of Jesus Christ can forgive the murderer of her three-year-old son who never had a chance to live. Who are we? When people have committed wicked, horrible, heinous things against us. I'll tell you why we find it so challenging is because we're vindictive by nature. We want to get back at who got at us. Pastor, you preaching now. I heard a lady say one day, you walk in deep now. You walk in deep now, Pastor. It's because that's our old sin nature. But Brother Greg, what happens to our sin nature when we come to Jesus Christ? We put it down to pick up a new nature. Glory to God. And this can only be possible in the love of Jesus Christ. I said in the, in the series that there are many different words interchangeable in the, both the Hebrew and the Greek language for the word love. But there's one love you don't fall into overnight. There's one love that don't happen at first sight. What love is that? That's a Agape love. That's that selfless, unconditional love that only comes from knowing God. That's the only way. How else could this mother do this? Then I looked, and the lady on the right, her name is Lisa D. Daniels. And she started the Darren B. Easterly Center for Restorative Practices after her son was murdered. Her son was murdered. This woman said, I'm going to seek God for peace and forgiveness. You know what happened in between the time that the murderer of her son was brought to trial? She even pleaded with the judge for a, a more lenient sentence. I'm here to tell you today at Harvest Church, it's only God that could do that in the life of a person. Because by nature, we would want justice for what had been done to the people that we love. Now, I want to tell you that's what I call love. That's what I call love. I've heard Christian people say things like, oh, I got to love people to get to heaven. I've been called everything but a child of God. But did you still love them? 
Some of us have even echoed those same words. It took everything I had. I called everything but a child of God. I heard some of you say I was cussed up one side and down the other. You ever heard a pastor say you're not what people call you, you're only what you answer to? Anybody ever heard that? I heard somebody laughing. Pretty difficult to tell who you are under those masks, but let me help you with something right here. That kind of love only comes through Jesus Christ. You can't love like that outside of him. You can't love like that in yourself. I don't care how sweet, pretty, and whatever you think you are. You cannot. It's impossible. It's impossible. It only comes through the love of God and his son, Jesus Christ. This woman said the gift of forgiveness is found when we relinquish the hope for a better past. What she's saying, she's saying I'm going to implement strategy and I'm going to exhaust energy to let the world know that we don't have to behave in the manner that's common to them. But we can behave in a manner that's pleasing to God. Anybody, anybody remember when Jesus was addressing the group in Matthew? And Jesus said, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. Woo, honey, you know you save when you feed your enemy. Hello, you know you save when you give that devil a glass of water. I said it. Some of y'all scared to, but I say it. Jesus said, bless them that hate you and curse you and despitefully use you. I, that wasn't me. That was Jesus. Would Jesus say it if it were not possible? I can't hear nobody. I said, would Jesus say it if it were not possible? No, Jesus wouldn't say it if it were not possible. But how is it possible? Only through him. It's only through him. We are not wired to love that way. You know who we love? Self. Some of y'all still scared. I see you drawing up in your seat right now. You scared to death. You love yourself. You, Brother Gerald said I love myself. I'll tell you that. We all do. It's the nature of us as human beings. Where we extend ourselves is when we love others. Preach, pastor, preach. Praise the Lord. This woman says you are only going to find the gift of forgiveness when you relinquish the hope for a better past. Wow. Think about that. I'd love for you and your leisure to look these individuals up and read their collective stories. What a blessing it will be to you. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he was a Baptist minister. He was from England. And through time, in the eyes of many clergy people, he has been referenced as the prince of preachers. He believed that hate should be out of the language of a Christian. He said, man, hate shouldn't even be in the language of any believer, with one exception. He said, there's only one exception. And what is that? Hate evil. Hate evil. Hallelujah. He goes on to say, and I quote, the Christian man is not allowed to hate anyone. Not allowed to hate anyone. We could learn a lot from that class. Got to move on. Some of us piggyback off this thought, Brother Mike. But I'm only human. 
I'm only human. So was Jesus. So was Jesus. But pastor, he was God incarnate in the flesh. Yeah, but the Bible said that he suffered every temptation that was known to man but remained sinless. Some of you are saying under your breath right now, there's no way that Jesus could have been tempted the same way that I was tempted. There's no way. There was things, there are things that exist in our world now that wasn't even, wasn't even thought about in Jesus' day. There's only three ways people can be tempted. There's only three. It doesn't matter how deep your theology is. It doesn't matter to me how many seminaries you've been through. There's only three ways that we can be tempted. And they're going to all fall under these umbrellas. The lust of this flesh, the lust of these eyes, and the pride of life. All temptations will fall under those umbrellas. But I want you to know we're going to be put to the test. Oh, but pastor, I'm only human. That's going to be put to the test. While Jesus was hanging on the cross, scholars have revealed seven expressions or seven statements. For the sake of time, I only want to focus on two. Today, you'll probably hear them later in a continuation of this series I only want to focus on two. One is Luke 23 and 34 when Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. They don't know what they're doing. Throughout this series, have I not spoken on forgiveness many times? How many, how many right now would witness in my presence that forgiveness is key? Forgiveness is not for you. Come on, y'all. Forgiveness is for the offender. Not the offended, but forgiveness is for the offender. Oh, my. Pastor, are you serious? Now, that's what I call love. When forgiveness is extended to the offender. You know how quick we are to forget that we ain't always looked this good and smelled this pretty? You know how quick we are to forget that? Some of y'all just grinning under them masks. If I could see you right now, your ears are wet. Come on, y'all. I'd say, how many of us know how quick we are to forget that we had always looked this good? How many of us are quick to forget that we didn't always smell this pretty? You know what the Bible tells us? The Bible says a man forgets what he, what he looks like in a mirror. The Bible says he'll, he'll walk there and check his appearance in the mirror, and not long after he walked away from it, he's forgot what he looks like. My mama would call that primping. My mama would say, boy, you're the primping of somebody out there. You just looked at yourself. Some of you love yourself so much you got mirrors in your pocketbooks. I'm, I'm preaching better than, I, hallelujah. I'm preaching better than y'all responding. I know you got to check that to make sure you put that lipstick on just right. I, I, I full well understand. You also don't want to forget what you look like. You ain't fooling me. Not fooling God, so you're definitely not fooling me. But somebody wants to use the phrase, we got to forgive and forget. Hold on, hold on just a moment. Forgive and forget? Oh, my. Some of y'all wish your feelings were like a computer and you could hit the delete button and forget. But how many of you know that you are not wired that way? I'm not wired that way. 
No human being is wired that way. Animals don't forget, preach, preacher. You be cruel to an animal, see if he forgets it. He doesn't forget. Ask Brother Gerald. He's got a bull right now he can't even get close to because he was mean to him. Am I preaching? I'm preaching. Amen. It's the truth. But animals don't forget. Even God has given them that nature. Forgiveness, like love, is an act of our will. Forgiveness, like love, involves a choice. We have a choice on whether or not we will forgive. Touch your neighbor from a distance, amen. High five them in the air. Come on. You know I'm in the book. It's the truth. It's the word of the Lord. Because you know what Jesus said? If you don't forgive, my Father in heaven won't forgive you. Can I help somebody at Harvest Church today? To forgive is not some kind of suggestion. To forgive is not some kind of helpful hint. But to forgive is a command. And a command is an authoritative order. Jesus said forgive or the Father won't forgive you. That's the book, my friend. Doesn't matter to me how you ingest it. That's the word. So what do we do? We make a conscious decision. We choose to forgive. Let's look at Luke 17, verses 3 and 4, honey. Luke 17, verses 3 and 4. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, some of us right ready to rebuke. Oh, Lord. Pastor, no, you didn't go there. Yes, I did. Some of us right ready to rebuke because that makes us look like the superior guy. That makes us look like we're living closer to God. But I want to tell you something. If you're going to rebuke your brother, you better make sure you're in right standing with God. Preach, Pastor. Then the Bible says, if he repents, forgive him. Oh, it's not, I'm not finished. What does verse 4 say? If he sins against you seven times in a day, seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent. You might, you probably, you will be inclined you will show favor. You will bless him. The Bible said you shall forgive him. That's the Bible. That's God's word. And if we're going to remain in right standing with God, then we have to do as God's word said do. We have to obey. Jesus commands us to forgive, therefore making this conscious decision to obey God and to forgive. It doesn't mean that we will never remember the offense again, only that we have chosen the godly course of action. What's that old saying? Man, I want to bury the hatchet between us. Let me rewind. You under 40? That just parted your hair. You don't even know. You don't know. But over that, you remember, people would squabble. They would get in disputes, arguments, debates. Doesn't matter how you want to terminalize it. Some of them pure fights. Then they would say, let's be men about this and bury the hatchet between us. 
A lot of people leave the handle sticking up. Why would they leave the handle sticking up? Because they want to use it as ammunition. We're retaliatory by nature. We're vindictive by nature. And we want the upper hand at all costs. Holy Ghost, help me while I preach a minute. That's the old nature. Somebody say, yeah, that's that Adam nature. That's a lie. Adam had his own nature. You got your own. Stop blaming your stuff on Adam. It's our old sin nature. But Jesus says, forgive. Glory to God. Then we take the godly course of action. So, Pastor, what am I? What, I mean, what am I to do then? If I, if I can't, if I can't live in the past, if I can't revisit the past, what am I to do? Do like Paul said in Philippians chapter three, the latter part of verse thirteen: Forget those things which are behind and reach forward to those things which are ahead. We cannot, no matter how bad we want to, choose selectively to delete events from our memory. Can't do it. Here's another famous saying. You young people are going to get tickled on this one. Boy, if I could go back over my life and know then what I know now. Sister Dale said I said that thousands of times. Hallelujah. Hadn't we all? Preach on somebody. Boy, I brought a sister pastor wanting to preach a little bit today. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Then somebody wants to hop on this bandwagon. Pastor, the Bible said as far as the east is from the west, so far hath the Lord removed our transgressions from us. Psalm 103 and 12. Is there any truth to the absolute truth? Amen. How about Micah chapter number 7 and verse number 19 when the Bible tells us this. He will again have compassion on us and glory to God will subdue our iniquities and will cast all our sins in to the depths of the sea. Somebody said, preacher, the Bible said God would get rid of our sin and he would never remember them no more. That's not what the Bible says. No more than the Bible said at the end of time, you wouldn't tell one season from another. That's not what the Bible said. The Bible said as long as the earth remained, there will be seed time and harvest. Preach, pastor, is that all right? Hallelujah, what the Bible did say, some people just Add to what the Bible said. You heard all your life, cleanliness and next to God. Where's that at in the Bible? It's not. It's not in the Bible. So believe you me, never does the Bible say that God forgives and forgets. Never. Because I want to help you understand something about God. In spite of all this, God is still omniscient. He is still all-knowing. Were he not, he, would, he couldn't tell the writer to pen Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God is fully capable of remembering. He just chooses not to. Wouldn't we be blessed if we could be like God? Oh, we would be blessed if we could be like God. But I'll tell you what true repentance does. True repentance Results in a change of actions, a change of behavior, touch somebody, a change of attitude. If none of those things were altered after we came to know Jesus Christ, then there was no change. Somebody said, I cussed all my life. It's going to take, it's, it's take a minute for me to quit. So when the Lord saved me, 
I mean, I might let one slip once in a while. That's what I heard people say. I heard a brother say one time the Lord saved me, but now he didn't save my knife. He didn't save my pocket knife. I said, what? I said, what? What this guy was simply saying was if anger roused up in him, if he got upset, he just might pull a knife on you. What do you think my response to that was? You need to go back and get redone. My response was that is you need a mulligan. You need a do-over. Because Second Chronicles 5 and 17, 2 Corinthians rather, 5 and 17 said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. If Jesus fully entered in, there's some stuff had to move. Oh, God. Woo, glory, hallelujah. There's some stuff had to move out. Now, that's what I call love. That's what I call love. The second phrase or expression that Jesus used on the cross was that of Matthew 27 and 46. Matthew 27, 46. And the Bible says about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's what I call love. That's what I call love. You say, Pastor, I don't, I, don't, I don't understand. It's difficult to understand. Jesus was innocent. Jesus was the matchless Lamb of God. Jesus was without blemish. He knew no sin. I don't understand. He was approved of God. Well, check this. Jesus' crucifixion was the manifestation of God's hatred for sin, period. Jesus' crucifixion clearly revealed to the world God's hatred for sin. I don't know if I'm tracking with you or not, Pastor. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I'm, if I'm moving along with you or not. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, the Bible says what? The Bible tells us, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Galatians 3.13 said, Cursed is everyone who dies on a tree. Was Jesus not nailed to the old rugged cross? He became a curse for the curse. Somebody ought to raise your hand and glorify him in this place. Now that's what I call love. Stand with me all over this building. All over the building. That's what I call love. Anybody know the difference between grace and mercy? Can I help you? Grace is getting what we don't deserve. And mercy is not getting what we rightfully deserve. It was God's grace and mercy that prevented you and I the cruel death on a cross. Did we deserve to die for our actions against God? You, you better believe it. You better believe it. Did not Paul tell the Romans all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God? What does the word all mean? It means excluding none. It means everybody. And everyone in this room were guilty of sin in the worst degree but he loved us hallelujah he loved us well pastor what did I get that I didn't deserve you, you, 
acceptance in the Lord. You gained an acceptance in God. You gained eternal life through Jesus Christ. Now that's what I call love. I want to leave this on your hearts. Not only are we to love in word, but we're to love in deed. Got that? Not only are we to love in word, we are to love in deed. A deed is something that's done, something that's performed, something that's accomplished. So you and I, aside from the work of God and the redemptive work of Christ on the cross, we didn't even know what love was. Is that safe to say? Until he came along, we didn't know what love was. And as I say to all the candidates for counseling who want to be married, until you know the Lord, you don't know love. You don't. It's impossible. Because he uses the writer to tell us that God is love. Praise the Lord. So in a recent article in Crosswalk.com, you can go home, you can pull this up. In a recent article, Crosswalk.com, there was a young lady whose name is April Modal. She's actually a pastor's wife. She's a graduate of Southern California Seminary. And she was a contributor to this article that I, that I recently stumbled across. Ten Habits to Better Love One Another. Ten Habits to Better Love One Another. For the sake of time, I won't go over them all. But you can go home, you can pull up crosswalk.com, and you can pull up this article where she assists us in offering helpful information because it's not only God's desire that we love in word it's God's desire that we love in deed he tells us this in 1 John 3 and 18 my little children let us not love in word or in tongue but in deed and in truth you don't remember anything else about love remember this it always involves a sacrifice. Love always involves a sacrifice. Remember this. Christ proved his love in the most costly of ways. Is that truth, saint of God? Is that truth? That's truth if truth has ever been told. He gave his life to prove his love for each of us. Amen. An Indian writer and screenwriter by the name of Anmol Adore, he wrote this. Relationships don't last because of the good times. They last because the hard times were handled with love and care. With love and care. So be delicate with each other during difficult times. This is how we rise to the top as the people of God. That's what I call love. We went to the extreme today to prove we love you. Not only in the delivery of this message, but our ushers have something that they'd like to give you today as an expression of our love for you on this very special Valentine's Day. So as you're exiting, take one home with you. Let it serve as a reminder. And it's just a little symbol of 
how much we love you here at Harvest Church. Praise the Lord. Now give the Lord a hand of praise, would you? I see the ushers are already in place. Sister Oxendine is coming now to dismiss you. Be safe as humanly possible until next time. We love you. It is our prayer.